Sorta Kinda Superpowered by James Kennison. Chapter 7. Joseph had never shouted at his mother, but he wanted to right now. A thousand different argument starting sentences flashed through his mind, but he knew she wouldn't answer him anyway. Not while in public. Not while people could hear. But once in the car, Joseph drew in a breath. Mom, he said, his voice shaking with emotion. His mother slammed her hand into the steering wheel. Joseph, don't start, she said. Her voice was loud and angry. Do not even start. Mom, Joseph said, his voice rising. $80,000, it was ours. He gave it to us. It was free. It was a reward. There was nothing wrong about it. You know how I am, Joseph, she said. I have my reasons. You have stupid reasons, Joseph shouted. We were going to be rich. I had to give up the pen, and now we have to give up the freaking money, too? Shut up, he told himself. Shut up. Clovis was uncomfortable, but this wasn't his first Gardner family argument. He sat quietly next to his friend, looking out the window and thinking about video games. Mrs. Gardner turned around in her seat to face her son. Joseph noticed that her eyes were still puffy and bloodshot from her tears earlier, but there were no tears now. Listen, I know you're upset, she started, and I know we've been through a lot today, but if you raise your voice to me one more time, you'll be on restriction for the next month. No TV, no friends over, nothing but the inside of your room, dinner, and homework. Do you understand me? Joseph took a deep breath. He didn't care about the punishment but it did bother him how out of control his anger made him feel. He punched the back of the passenger seat as hard as he could, then sat back, put his head in his hands, and groaned loudly. Do you understand? His mother repeated, apparently choosing to ignore his second outburst. Yes, he answered through gritted teeth. It would take me three years to earn $80,000, so trust me, Joseph, it wasn't easy, and I definitely didn't do it just to tick you off. She straightened up, buckled in, started the car, and backed out and turned through the garage toward the exit. Joseph took another deep breath and let the tense muscles in his face and neck relax. I'm sorry, he said, running his fingers over his scalp. I just can't understand this at all. He managed to keep his voice calm and low. I understand about not taking the money from Dad. I do, but this is nuts. This does not make sense at all. I gave up the pin. He gave us a reward. What's the problem? He could see her eyes reflected in the rearview mirror. The pen never really belonged to us, Joseph, she replied, her eyes fixed on the road ahead. We found it, then we gave it back. Giving something back that doesn't belong to you is supposed to be normal. They teach us this in kindergarten. You find something that's not yours, you turn it in. She fixed her eyes on Joseph through the rearview mirror. I'm not saying what you did was easy, she said. I'm saying the moment we found out who it belonged to, the only next step was to give it back. The world may think what you did was heroic, and maybe it is, but in our family, returning things that don't belong to us is just what we do. Joseph let it all sink in. He still didn't understand, and he was still angry, but he trusted his mother. She was quirky, but she always did what she thought was right. I only wanted the money for you anyway, he sighed. He saw a tear streak down from her eye. Dad messed everything up when he left. He did the wrong thing, but you're the one that was left alone taking care of Grandpa and me, working all the time, trying to pay bills. I just got excited because I thought the money was kind of a reward for you, too. She flashed a half-smile through the mirror. He tried to smile back. Whatever, he thought. I'd rather have the pen anyway. Clovis took a break from thinking about mining and crafting and looked over at Joseph. Look, I want to say something. 
but it's not like I'm trying to teach you guys something or like I'm trying to say something deep, he said, stumbling. But can I just say you guys are like the best mom and son in the world? You guys go through so much stuff, but you always stay on top of it. I think it's because of two things. And he held up his pointer finger. You guys stick together, unlike most kids and their parents. And second, he held up his pinky. You two stick to what you believe in, even when it's horrible like today. And that means he held up a rock fist. You guys rock. And he banged his head up and down with both fists in the air as if he were at a rock show. Clovis was a good friend, but he wasn't the kind of friend who liked things to stay serious for very long. Mrs. Gardner turned off the road and parked in front of a brightly lit set of windows. Steak and shake, Joseph shouted. It was his favorite place. None of us have eaten, and I didn't say you didn't deserve a reward at all. You'll just have to settle for dinner and a milkshake. School was hard the next day. He was the only kid in homeroom not talking loudly with those around him. He sat low in his desk, his legs spread to accommodate the desk in front. He felt absolutely miserable. Are you okay? The girl one row over asked. Her name was Starla. He put on a happy face. Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. He lied dully and then melted back down. She doesn't care anyway, he thought. He went back to staring at the windbreaker on the kid in front of him. He wasn't feeling any better after lunch either. I don't suppose you want to play Foursquare, Clovis asked him. No, not really, Joseph answered. Good, because I don't want to either, Clovis said sarcastically. Hate it. So they waited out the rest of lunch period outside on the bleachers looking up at the sky. Why do I feel worse today than I did last night, Joseph asked. It's had more time to sink in, I guess, said Clovis. Yesterday was really hard, man. You went in there hoping for the best and you came out with your dreams all crunched up. I think it's pretty normal what you're feeling. I'm all mixed up and it wasn't even my deal. Joseph took a deep breath and blew it out hard through his mouth, trying to let some of the inner pressure out. A group of sixth graders walked up and sat nearby. The boys couldn't help overhearing the conversation, especially since it was being led by Brandon Huff, the loudest kid in the whole school. Did you hear that Dr. Superior has been found? He said. Yeah, I heard that people have been seeing him all over the city. My brother said that his friend asked Dr. Superior where he was the whole time, and he told him, Brandon bragged. Well, Dr. Superior is apparently back in action, Joseph grumbled. Thanks to you, Clovis chirped. So what's the story? Someone in the group asked. Joseph listened. Mr. Visser had said that the hero had been on vacation. He wondered what Dr. Superior himself had to say. He was in space because apparently there was some asteroids about to hit some planet. Earth, someone asked. No dummy, Brandon bellowed. Just some planet, not even one in our solar system. But he stopped them because if they had hit, the planet would have moved and blocked the sun or something. He took every asteroid one by one and sent them another way. And it took him about two weeks. I knew he was doing something awesome, but I didn't know he could breathe in space. So awesome. So cool. I got to say, Clovis said, Dr. Superior is a great liar. It's a good story. All right. Joseph replied. Joseph moped his way through the rest of the school day. He was relieved that no one else asked him what was wrong. Even Clovis stopped trying to cheer him up. On the walk home, Joseph heard other kids discussing the whereabouts of Dr. Superior. I read online that he was buried in a lake of hardened lava. Well, my dad says he was taking a vacation in a disguise as one of us. My dad said he saw him looking at new cars in town. The thing people don't understand is that he's like the magical phoenix. 
He had to shed his old skin, burn up, and grow from a baby, said a kid everyone called Trek. Everyone, including Clovis, gave him a funny look. So the space story is probably not the official story, Clovis said, rolling his eyes. That figures. My grandpa always has the news on. Let's go see what they're saying, Joseph offered. And they ran the rest of the way to Joseph's house, crashed through the door, threw their backpacks down, and stepped into the TV room. Hey, Grandpa! Joseph stopped short. He saw that Grandpa couldn't get to his drinking straw. Oh, Grandpa, I'm so sorry, Joseph exclaimed. I hope it hasn't been like this since this morning. Joseph adjusted the clip that held the straw. His grandfather was now able to drink. Joseph saw water flowing up the straw. Grandpa's eyes looked grateful. You're welcome, Joseph told him, and he leaned over and gave him a little squeeze. Joseph turned and saw Dexter Visser's face on the screen. He threw himself on the couch and grabbed the remote and turned up the volume. An older man with large brown hair was speaking. Dexter Visser, CEO of Superior Industries, held a press conference today announcing the return of the enhanced hero, Dr. Superior. Fresh video of Superior began showing up on social media sites early this morning, making it clear that Dr. Superior was back in action. Visser had this to say. Dr. Superior wanted me to personally thank each of his many supporters for allowing him to make an unscheduled two-week break from his duties. For the past nine years, he has faithfully served mankind, saving hundreds of thousands of lives. He thanks you for your understanding and support. Dexter then added, I for one am glad he took the time. He was greatly missed, but no one can argue that he didn't deserve his first and only vacation in nearly 10 years. So it appears that the worst has not happened. Dr. Superior is still with us, and we can all rest a little easier knowing he's watching over us again. Reporting for Channel 2, this is Robert Storson. Just then, Grandpa choked, coughing water out toward the television. Joseph jumped up from the couch and leaned his grandfather forward. Toss me a towel, Joseph called out, pointing to the stack of white cloths nearby. Clovis tossed one over, and Joseph held it under his grandfather's chin. After a brief coughing fit, Joseph wiped his mouth and sat him upright in his chair. Grandpa's eyes moved to Joseph's face. Thank you. I'm sorry, they seemed to say. No problem at all, Joseph answered. Clovis ran past down the hall and into the bathroom where he retched over the toilet. Clovis was a good friend, but he wasn't a friend who could handle the sound of other people gagging. Joseph turned the television volume down, grinning. You okay? He called out down the hall. Yeah, but I'm going to go home, Clovis mumbled. I'll see you later. He was looking a little peaked. He slung on his backpack and slipped out the back door. Joseph pulled up the footstool and laid his head on his grandpa's knee. At least that news story wasn't as bad as the space story Clovis and I heard earlier, Joseph said. He reached over and placed his grandfather's hand on his own head. You wouldn't believe it, Grandpa. Some kid said Superior was out in space punching asteroids, while another kid said he was stuck in a volcano or something. Grandpa's fingers flinched ever so slightly. I don't think I ever told you, but I found a pen a couple of weeks ago. It hit me in the face while I was crossing the street. It gave me powers, if you can believe it, but I had to give it back. You would have been proud of me, Joseph said. Mr. Visser said the pen came to me by accident, but that's the part I can't stop thinking about. I guess he's right in one way because it did fall off Dr. Superior's uniform, but I'm still not sure it was a total accident. When I first got it, Clovis and I were playing around, and it floated up and came right to me. Clovis would hold it, and it would zip across to my hand. It seemed attracted to me. I even called it a skin magnet. It gave me powers, Grandpa. 
vision, strength, and hovering abilities. It showed me a message when I closed my eyes. It was written as if I were being chosen to be an enhanced, but Mr. Visser said it was only a random, unfortunate accident. Dr. Superior is back in action. I guess that's what really matters. Mr. Visser and Superior might even come to thank me in person. Grandpa's whole hand seized up, sliding off Joseph's head. Joseph sat up. Grandpa's eyes were wet. Large tears were pouring out and down his chin. Joseph blotted them with the towel. What's wrong, Grandpa? He asked. He had never seen his grandfather show emotion before. Grandpa's mouth was moving, opening and closing. His entire body began to shake. Joseph was suddenly terrified. Was Grandpa dying? Are you trying to say something, Grandpa? Joseph asked, clawing the nearby table for the phone, staring into his grandfather's frightened eyes. He pressed the button for his mother's cell phone and waited to hear it ring. Grandpa was still shaking in his chair. His eyes were wide, his mouth still opening wide, then pursing up as if he were trying to blow out a candle. Joseph heard a faint hiss of breath with each repetition, so he stood, leaning in, and with the phone in one ear, he put his other ear an inch from his grandfather's mouth. He was saying no, over and over. No. This concludes Chapter 7. Visit SortaKindOfSuperpower.com for updates, hero illustrations, and more.